You never know what God's going to do. And so steward well what he's given you right this minute, because whatever you are faithful in right now, that will overflow into what you get to do for him in the in future seasons. Meaning in the 10, 15 years that I was wrestling with motherhood and kind of going, am I even cut out for this? So point just being steward what he's given you right now knowing that God doesn't waste a thing. He doesn't waste anything. So it may not make sense why you have to clean out the fridge today. Like that does not seem eternally minded or kingdom building. And it certainly doesn't feel like anything that you can grow an internet business with. But where you apply yourself to do it unto the glory of God will absolutely, I promise, affect the next assignment he gives you. Welcome to the Crossway Podcast a show where we sit down with authors each week for thoughtful interviews about the Bible, theology, church history, and the Christian life. I'm Matt Tully, and today I'm talking with Ruth Jo Simons. Ruth is a best-selling author, a well-known artist, and the founder of Grace Lace Company. Recently, Ruth partnered with Crossway to create a beautiful original Bible cover called Be Transformed in Crossway's new artist series of ESV journaling Bibles. Today, Ruth and I discuss her life as an artist. She digs into what makes her tick, including her passion for creating beautiful pieces of art that reflect the beauty of our Creator. She shares her journey from doing watercolor paintings in her kitchen to starting Grace Laced and becoming well-known around the world for her artwork. And she shares what her day-to-day life looks like as an entrepreneur who also is a wife and a mother to six boys. Let's get started. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway Podcast. Thanks for having me, Matt. So you're a well-known artist, you're a writer, uh, you're an entrepreneur, and you also, I just read, homeschool six boys of various ages. Uh, So would it be fair to say that you keep pretty busy these days? I do, but I. to be fair, my husband and I are full-time together with the work of Grace Laced, and so he carries, as an educator by trade, he carries the the, the majority of the homeschooling efforts, so I will mm. not take credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, what's it been like just as a family over these last, you know, 12 months or so in the midst of COVID and all of the quarantining stuff? Uh, just, you know, speak a little bit to that personally, how that this season has been for you. Sure. You know, like everybody else, um, it took a lot for us to learn a new rhythm because just because we homeschool or run a business from home, um, we weren't necessarily expecting to spend as much time together as we ended up spending. And, you know, a lot of my, um, well, all of my speaking engagements and travel canceled. And I got to tell you, Matt, it was the sweetest, sweetest year. Um, I think for me, it helped me reset some things and made some decisions about how busy and how much travel and how much speaking I want to do in the future. Um, Because Mm. sometimes you need a moment like this just to say, what am I missing when I'm running hard after um, things I'm saying yes to? And those are good things. And those are things that God's given me opportunity for. But I can also make some choices about... um, how much I want to stay closer to the home front. So it was really, really yeah. wonderful season for us. Um, we got on each other's nerves and we there was a lot of <laughs> confessing and repenting and forgiving um, and too much food. I mean, when you're feeding seven 
guys. I mean, I live with seven guys. That's a lot of food that we're going through and yeah. people think we're hoarding, but that's just how much toilet paper we really have to buy, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, so yes, yeah, so it was, it was a sweet and really interesting year of us kind of just hunkering down. And, um, my oldest son was supposed to be overseas for the school year as a, um, college sophomore. He was going to study abroad and it kept him home. And, we just mm. felt like that was a borrowed year of just sweetness um, of the six brothers having time together, playing games, um, discovering new things, starting new traditions. It was wonderful. So you mentioned that uh, the last 12 months or so has kind of helped you maybe reconsider your priorities a little bit. Are there certain things that you realize that you want to change long term moving forward? Yeah, you know, I I don't think that there was anything that I, you know, felt over 2020 going, oh, this was wrong for me to engage in, or I was traveling way too much. It's more just that I kind of learned something about my own rhythm of creativity, mm. um, that as an artist and an author, someone who's continually writing, continually producing, continually putting out creative work, you have to have a strong rhythm and commitment to rest and a commitment to being recharged and energized and inspired by other things outside of your work. If you're going to produce at the level that I produce, you know, I have a book always out. Um, I have a new book regularly on the docket. I have products through gracelace.com constantly coming out. Um, you just can't be at the helm of that much creative work. Mm. If you're just producing out of a need to produce, you have to produce out of the overflow of your heart and schedules that are running you from one end of the continent to the other just won't <laughs> afford that. And so sometimes that recharging means that I need to have time on the couch to read to my kids. Sometimes that means that I need to try a new recipe. And that is inspiring in itself. Like, it's okay that it took, you know, two hours to prep all the veggies for a meal that doesn't feel efficient. But inefficiency sometimes is the gateway to having more creative ideas. Because yeah. when you're learning to express yourself, you're learning to fail at things, you're learning a new skill, those are things that kind of jog your mind in terms of how God's at work or what to see that's beautiful outside of just what you're used to studying every day. So it's stuff like that, that for me, I wouldn't say it was like, okay, I will now cut this out, or I will for sure only travel, you know, eight times instead of 12 times. It's not so cut and dry like that. It's more just an internal rhythm that I realize, mm. okay, before I say yes, I'm going to go down the checklist of things that I really need in order to steward well what he's already given me to do rather than run after new things to mm. do. Yeah, that's so good. It sounds like it's a, a good reminder of things that you already knew, but uh, sometimes it's we need those reminders. Um, yeah. And let's dig into your art then in particular. So you... You recently partnered with Crossway to create these this beautiful custom Bible cover in our brand new artist series of journaling Bibles. And um, a question I love to ask artists and creative types in general is is simply, why do you create art? If you had to answer that maybe deceptively simple question, why is it that you feel this need to create art? You know, for many years, I actually didn't explore this part of my life. I was, uh, I thought that art or creating art was kind of a luxury, was more mm. of a hobby, was superfluous. But I think God creates all of us 
to um, experience beauty and inspiration every day. I think all the time about how he could choose to bring the sun um, up every day and call the, each day into order without it being as beautiful as it is. I mean, the sunrise is really kind of stunning, and he didn't have to do yeah. it that way. Or he could have called each day to a close without it being cotton candy skies um we don't have to stand outside and marvel at the stars right like those are things that god chose to do that we would inherently say that is beautiful and so i think when we feel and see beauty all around us um it's pretty we're all wired differently we're all wired to create and reflect that differently as imago day but i think that for me, I create art because I'm so taken in by the beauty I see by his hand that it's really hard for me not to somehow respond to it or reflect mm. it or to um, even emulate it. Mm. Yeah, what do you think it is about that for yourself where you see the creative beauty of God and then your response is you want to sort of mirror that beauty back? Mm-hmm. What is it about that that process of uh, responding by being creative yourself that is so uh, mm-hmm. attractive to you? You know, I think there's a humility when we come, when we really see ourselves, um, our finite, like the short life that we have before this infinite God who day by day, like it, like the seasons are constantly perpetually going and he's creating and making such beautiful changes happen all around us. And I think for me, it, it's not that there's something worshipful in itself, like me standing outside and seeing creation in itself is not spiritual in itself. It's that when I read God's word, and then I see that same feeling, that response, when I'm humbled by God's faithfulness and the work that he's done and how he... Um, is the God who brought his children out of the wilderness. When I read that, and then I stand outside, and I'm overcome with, wow, life feels really complicated, but here's the sunset reminding me how in control he is. There is like this connection for me, visually, that the God that I'm reading about in scripture is the God Mm. that's still in charge every day of my entire life. And so then when I go home, and I'm back inside, and whether I'm plating up dinner, Sometimes it's not all that colorful or that fun, but whether I'm plating up dinner or I have a moment to grab a pencil and a sketch pad, what comes out is kind of a response to, wow, I got to participate and experience something that reminds me that God is bigger than me. And so Mm. I think that everything that comes and flows out of my brush and out of my, the words that I type or the sketches I sketch are not really, for me, I mean, at this stage of my life, um, in my mid forties, I'm... I feel really differently about my creative process and the work that I do. Like I would say in my twenties, I probably would have been like, what can I create that would cause other people to be in awe of me? That's Mm. probably what I was thinking when I was in my twenties. Like, can I sketch something so beautifully that somebody would be like, she's so good. But right now my, my mindset is so different. Now I can honestly say everything that I draw or paint or write, I really want people to be in awe of God. I don't really need or desire anyone to be in awe of me. Um, and so, yeah, the motivation really changes, but it changes. It changed because of my maturity and and growth in my interaction with the Lord, and realizing mm. that even the 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 skies that I see out my window are a reflection of Him conveying His faithfulness day by day. Mm. Is that something that you find that you have to be 
diligent about trying to remind yourself and cultivate that humility and that that God centeredness in your art rather than sort of uh, kind of drawing attention to yourself as the artist? Yeah, I think that's a big challenge. I mean, if I'm honest, the real challenge of being an artist, a social media quote influencer, and a known speaker or author is that you constantly think about yourself because that's what the internet does for you, right? Your social media curated images, even for somebody who loves beauty, and I love, I love Instagram. I mean, I have in the past loved Instagram, sometimes it's getting a little old. But, but overall, I love the platform for what it is, because I'm an artist. I love beautiful images. I love connecting yeah. beauty and truth. That That's a good platform for me. However, it can make you really self-centric. And so I would say, Matt, like, the way I persevere in that is actually not to start with just, hey, is this art piece of art or this post about me? I just have to start with that mindset with everything, including how I read God's Word. If I open Mm. God's Word every morning and sit there and think, what can I use out of today's reading for my next painting? Or how can I teach this? Then it's always really about me producing more of me. Yeah. So I think it has to start like as a paradigm shift all together. When I talk to the boys, when I share the gospel with my child who is disobedient, when I'm when I'm doing whatever, when I'm speaking to my employees, if I start with going, the words that are coming out of my mouth and the words that I'm reading from scripture have nothing to do with me bettering myself and everything to do with who God is and what he's doing in and through us, that will change the words I say, the way I share the gospel with my kids, and how I go about my business and the yeah. work that I'm trying to do. Yeah, that's so good. Let's, let's then jump in a little bit to the the art that you create specifically. So I think you're probably best known for your watercolor uh, art pieces. Um, speak a little bit to that. Uh, why watercolor? Why is that such an, uh, a compelling medium for you? Why did you choose that uh, compared to all the other types of painting that you could do or even other forms of art? Yeah, I love that question. So I used to hate watercolor, actually. I, I, <laughs> I When I was um, in my last two years, a year and a half of college, I suddenly, and it's a whole other story, but I I suddenly switched majors from biochemistry to fine arts. Wow. It's a total, I actually write about it in my, in my book that's coming out in October, but we'll, we'll wait on that topic. It's crazy, right? I mean, I'm an Asian American. There was some pressure to like be kind of really, I mean, straight A student, go down sciences, um, out of some rebellion, out of some burnout, I changed my art to, I mean, I changed my major to fine arts. And um, initially, my medium was oils and printmaking, total, mm. not watercolor, for sure. And I remember um, graduating college, my husband and I were at seminary, I still t- took my paints with me, I still wanted to engage in these things, but I never learned how to paint real small. So everything I paint is like, four feet, <laughs> or larger. And at the time, my access to, you know, paints that weren't toxic. I mean, back during that season, this was before 2000s. I mean, I'm old enough that, you know, graduating in 1998, (laughs) um, we just didn't, I just didn't have access to as many things as we do now. And so as a young mom, several years later, I wanted to kind of just stay in the game with not that I was selling any art, I wasn't doing anything professionally, it was more just for myself. I, you know, after the kids went to bed, sometimes I would paint a little 
But mm. who can set up a giant easel with yeah. a giant canvas? And it's just expensive. It's expensive to do all that. And so I remember starting off with a slightly better than a Crayola little art, you know, student grade um, <laughs> thing of watercolors. It wasn't that simplistic. It was a little bit nicer than that. But it was still a amateur grade palette of watercolors. And what I love about watercolors for anyone who's, you know, kind of looking for something to, to try out watercolors dry so fast and you can have it. I mean, I could have a baby on my lap. And I mean, some of my earliest Instagram photos were of my little one, my sixth son with his little hand on the table and it, he won't ruin it because he won't dip his fingers mm. in oils that took, take three months to dry. I could paint something and it would be quickly done and I could dry and clean off the whole kitchen table in time for dinner. And the whole thing would only take me, you know, 30 minutes or so versus the hours and the don't touch this or don't breathe this. Um, Mama needs this whole space. I didn't have that as a young mom. Um, And so now I can start exploring more mediums because I have access to more space and my kids aren't going to touch things that they're not supposed to. (laughs) But the other thing about watercolor that is... um, both daunting and wonderful is that it takes the perfectionism out of you a little bit because huh. it's something that you can't paint over over and over again you can do some small corrections but unlike acrylic or oils you can't change your mind and paint over mm. the painting that you already painted you can't keep working it over and over so both for a young mom who barely has time to paint to somebody who might be a recovering perfectionist watercolor sometimes lets you learn to just let the water take some charge and for you to think through what you want to do, but then count happy accidents as enjoyable things that you kind of go, wow, I didn't realize that that's how it could turn out. So all in all, I would say now it's funny that I'm known for watercolors now because it's, I'm really self-taught. It's really been only in the last seven years that um, I started working with watercolor mostly because of blogging and Instagramming where I just needed something quick um, I just wanted to post something quick to go along with my words, and that's how the, the watercoloring started. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned that you uh, watercolor is great for those recovering uh, perfectionists. Would mm-hmm. you consider yourself in that category? Absolutely, yes, <laughs> absolutely. I think I I used to lean heavily towards canvas paintings because I could change my mind after three months and say I want to start all over with this. And there's a sense in which you. It's a good thing. I mean, there's a sense to which there's layers upon layers, but sometimes you never find the finish point mm. because you kind of go, it's always going to get better. And I'm, I actually do a lot more oils and acrylics these days even. And, and I love that my painting style has even changed since that time when I was yeah. such a perfectionist about it. But now I love that sometimes I go, I only have 20 minutes. Let's see what we can come up with in 20 minutes and let that be good enough because because trust the process, you know, and trust the process mm. and allow what comes out in 20 minutes be be good. So then speak a little bit to how then this art that you were doing kind of in the spare moments of your day after the kids went to bed, how did that progress into being something that you started doing professionally? Mm-hmm. You kind of made it into a, a business. Yeah. What was that process like? Yeah. So just a little context, um, my first 15 years of marriage or so, um, my husband was a church planting teaching pastor. So you you know what that entails. That is a full-on right. counseling, preaching, um, 
training kind of job. And we were also setting up chairs. So, you know, that was going on. And in the same 10 years, we had six boys, started a church, and then started a school. So he was the headmaster of a classical Christian school that was a hybrid model. So part school at home, part school, um, Mm. part accredited school. Wonderful model, wonderful experience. Our decade was very, very full. That was a time where um, I was learning to be a mama, and I was pregnant every other year, and (laughs) thinking I was going to just literally lose it all the time. And and that's where Grace Lays the blog started from. Um, It's almost been 14 years this coming summer. And it was in the throes of early motherhood that I was like, the grace of God has got to lace in and out of my life. If it's real, if it's real, the gospel intersects my daily life. It's not Mm -hmm. just that it's on the mission field that it matters, right? Grace is not only important to talk about in the church or on the mission field, or when you're leading a Bible study, what about the mundane moments of my life, the life that I didn't expect to have? I mean, I was expecting to go do big things for God across the pond, you know? Um, I expected to maybe be a professional artist, but instead I was literally sweeping up crushed Cheerios under my feet and disciplining my kids and going, why did you hit your brother? You know, like that was all day, all day. And in the quieter moments, we were counseling young couples, and I was discipling young college girls while I was prepping dinner. That was my life. And so when, you know, all the blog posts are still archived at gracelaced.com, that blog became gracelaced.com that still exists now. Um, The reason why I didn't start a business in that season of my life was because I knew it took everything to steward well already what he had given me then. What God had given Mm. me then were six boys, a pastor husband, a headmaster husband, and a community of believers who needed my time to like disciple and study together. And so when my youngest was born, um, praise God, if you raise some older children who change diapers and help with dinner, I mean, I, I, (laughs) my job was easy by number six. Um, I was really, really grateful. But um, during that season, I had been blogging for some time and had found a rhythm to blog. I, it was, it was uh, the choice I made, and just because I know that somebody out there listening will be like, "How did you find time to write a blog?" And I always like to tell other women, I made a choice not to watch The Office mm. or Downton Abbey, <laughs> or you know. And it's not that there's anything wrong with those shows, but I'm always like, "Y'all, we just make choices," you know. Yeah, and um, right. I cannot tell you a single thing that happened on The Office when all my friends were watching that or parenthood or whatever was going on in that season. And so um, that's just what the choice that I made when the kids went to bed, once we had them kind of sleep trained, whatever um, I was writing or painting because it just gave me life. It helped me process what was going on in my life as a pastor's wife, as a mama, as somebody who went to seminary for a year and then found myself like doing nothing but, you know, counting to 10 with my kids. And so, so like really going like, how does this matter? Um, and so I worked that out through the blog. Yeah. Yeah. That's so encouraging and and helpful to hear just you recount that story along. Sounds like a gradual sort of one step at a time type of story. I think it can be so easy for us to, uh, maybe look at somebody who is, who is, uh, by God's grace achieved a level of quote unquote success Mm -hmm. or, or notoriety even, uh, and and kind of think, well, I mean, I, I would love to be there. I, I want to get there. I want to do something like that as well. But it, you're just hearing you speak a little bit how 
this whole idea for Grace Lay started as a way for you to see God's grace in in the mundane mm-hmm. things of life, not yeah. not just in the you know speaking and writing and and selling mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, and initially nothing I was writing or doing was for profit at all. You know, right now, um, when you see the business thrive or the brand expand and there's all these different products, um, at this point, we're really aware that the business funds all the missional work that we want to really do. And so mm. it's it's still, it's still very much the same mission as it was when um, it wasn't a full-blown business. I'm still writing... Very much so on Instagram, nuggets of truth that help, especially women, lead women back to the real, the awareness um, of how God's grace is at work in their everyday lives. And mm. my number one goal is never for any woman to feel the pressure to be just like me or to do the things that I'm doing. My only goal is that my artwork and my words and my photographs or my social media presence might cause them to be more aware of God's presence and purpose in their lives right where they are at. And because yeah. that's essentially what I learned from those years of obscurity and what I brought into the years of notoriety, if you would say, you know, like mm-hmm. now that's the content that I'm bringing into this space today. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I love it. You, you've got this uh, line on your website where you talk about the purpose of Grace Laced and the art that you create. And you write that your hope is that the art would, quote, adorn the gospel mm-hmm. through collectible, meaningful, and truth-filled products. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wonder if you could unpack that. How did you come up with that language? Uh, and how do you view art even more generally as having the potential to adorn the mm-hmm. gospel? Well, you know, I'm borrowing it from scripture as, you know, adorning the doctrine of grace. And ultimately, you know, when you think about the word adorn, it's really to make beautiful or make attractive, or um, I like to think of it as also making accessible. And so, no, I can't bring any, I can't make the gospel any more beautiful than it is, but I can cause my generation to see it more clearly. Mm. I can cause someone to turn their gaze from their cell phones and perhaps pick up my book instead. Um, I can perhaps cause somebody to look, to turn their gaze from the sink full of dirty dishes that is so annoying and so perplexing and frustrating to deal with and just look up for a second and see a quote or a verse that I've painted in a beautiful way that helps reset and remind them that God has purpose for them right where they are. And so in that way, I think our products and the prints and the journal or whatever it is, and even the books that I've written, they adorn the gospel by making the truths that are already that are already beautiful and make those beautiful to the viewer and accessible to a much too fragmented and distracted Mm. world. Yeah. Right. Right. Earlier on, you were talking about how, you know, in those early days where you were creating art, you were kind of doing it at your kitchen table, you know, trying to keep kids away perhaps. And uh, now you, you are fortunate enough to have some dedicated space. I wonder if you could Tell us a little bit about your studio. What is that like? Um, what's your favorite thing about your studio that you you currently have access to? Well, funny, I, I love this question because at this exact minute, I don't have a studio and I'm working out really? of the hallway. I mean, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> um, we 
I, I gave up my office studio space to be a music room for the family because, you know, as the boys got older, we wanted to have more contact points of where we can gather around rather than just always go to the basement and watch TV or some, you know, mm. the TV should not be their only point of gathering. And so, yeah, you know, having right. instruments and having them close by near the kitchen, somewhere where there might be music going on in this room and a conversation in another room. And so I gave up my specific room and space and we're remodeling <laughs> And doing another part of the property as my office and studio space. Um, so currently, I don't have this like dedicated, amazing space. But the thing is, even when I had that space, I actually spent a lot of time painting at the kitchen table still. Really? I really do. And I think it's been a choice. So we, we live on um, a lot of acreage here in Colorado, and we chose to buy a property, a fixer-upper property that's about killed me but um you know we bought a fixer-upper property that has studio space and barn space and um product space and so we run parts of the business out of this property here um however the choice that i made early on was that while my kids are still at home i could either choose a lifestyle that takes me away constantly or I could choose a lifestyle where they realize no matter what the legacy of Ruth Jo Simons or Grace Laced, which I pray that there's a legacy there, but whatever that legacy is, that they won't look at that someday down the road and say, yeah, my mom was an author, Ruth Jo Simons, and go, I'm so glad that she made a mark on the world, but I didn't mm. see her very much. Yeah. Like my goal has always been, well, if I get to influence and change and change others lives or be a part of somebody else's transformation it's got to start right at my kitchen table and right with the people in my life and god's given me seven people mm. to steward and it doesn't mean that i'm there for every little thing it doesn't mean that i read out all the phonograms and do all the spelling lists but it does mean that my presence is really felt and the work that I do is very understood by the boys. Meaning mm. if I'm painting new paintings for our yearly calendar, they know this is, oh, what's going on? What's the theme for this year's calendar? So they're really aware and they have a buy-in. They feel the ownership of what we do at Grace Laced. Um, and so that's a choice I made. Not everybody gets to do that. And I understand that we have a unique set of circumstances with choosing currently it may not always be this way but currently we're choosing to homeschool and run schooling from home um and we have employees that come to our property we've chosen in this season to do it this way but i also think that you know there's a joy to um not being able to hole away into my studio for umpteen hours a day like i actually have to clean up and get dinner going and so right now at least in the season before i have a whole brand new studio it's been a joy to write my books and paint my paintings with an earshot of kids sometimes with them pulling out their paints at the same table that's happened a lot during the pandemic um mm. we share the same space and yeah. that's been sweet and i think it humbles me and keeps me grounded in the work that i do so i don't think of myself as an internet influencer or a yeah. speaker that speaks to thousands or a best-selling author. I don't think of myself that way. I think of the mom who's painting and making messes at the table just alongside her boys. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I feel like I've, I've picked up even in this conversation is uh, real intentionality on your part to um, 
maybe a, a kind of a non-Christian way of phrasing it would be to sort of see the silver lining in whatever situation that you're in mm-hmm. and kind of make the best of your current situation. But maybe a, a more biblical view is just to see God's grace at work mm-hmm. in these different things, even when they maybe aren't ideal in some respect exactly. or they don't, they don't feel as easy as they could be. Um, maybe speak to the person listening right now who would who would have to say, you know, I- I'm struggling with that right now. I feel like there are things I would love to do or uh, things that just feel especially hard right now in this season. Maybe it's a young mom mm-hmm. with kids who, who you talked about uh, crunched up Cheerios on the floor and that's their life right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're struggling to feel uh, encouraged in this season that they're in right now. What advice would you give to someone like that? So to the sister out there who's got her degree in something she thought she would use um, in, a, in a professional way, to the gal who out, who's out there not getting the paycheck and the, or the affirmation or the promotion that feels like would, would really affirm that she's got giftings in these areas. Or, or if she's like me, where there's these creative juices going and it's like, I see all these other women starting Etsy shops or creating good artwork. I like calligraphy too, or I paint too, or I've always wanted to stitch these things and sell my wares, but I can't because my husband's job is too demanding and somebody's got to care for the kids or we just don't have the finances to be able to invest in a startup or for whatever reason, maybe you're caring for an elderly parent or you have a child with special needs. Whatever the situation, there are times in our lives when we just go, God, why did you give me this desire or this gift or this inspiration if I can't use it the way I imagine using it? And I see all of a sudden the whole world, you know, they're all doing it and they're all Mm. successful at doing it. I could do it just as well or better. And I feel like my ship is passing me by. If those words sound familiar, it's because I've said those very words to myself in other seasons. And even for the listener who might know my work and go, well, but it's easy for you to say you're, you're yeah. where you're at now. I'd, right. I'd say, well, sister, constantly, I mean, if I'm being honest, um, there's a version of ideal for me even right now. That ideal might look like the next level. The ideal might look like this mm. 3,000 square foot office building that I lease and have done up the way I want. The ideal for me might look different than you might expect from me. And so we all have our versions. We all have our versions of like, Lord, why did you bring me to this stage of my life if I can't go to the next step, if I can't do it the way I want to do it? And what I would really say, and I say all the time um, to people in my immediate local community, as well as to any young woman I meet online, and it doesn't have to be a young woman because I think we struggle with this throughout our seasons, is ultimately that because you don't know what God's going to do around just the very next bend, around the very next year. I mean, our lives could change. Nobody saw 2020 coming, right? You Mm, never know what God's going to do. And so steward well what He's given you right this minute. Because whatever you are faithful in right now, that will overflow into what you get to do for Him in in future seasons. Meaning, in the 10, 15 years that I was wrestling with motherhood and kind of going, am I even cut out for this? Like, 
I am the most unlikely person to have six children. <laughs> when I was wrestling those things, that very season taught me so much about leading a team, about um, the content that I'm writing. It gave me compassion and the ability to see beyond the hustle and to know what really matters. I don't know that I could minister to the women that I minister now to through writing or through social media if I didn't have that obscurity in that season. So Mm. point just being, don't aim for a season or uh, an objective that he's not given you. Literally, steward right now, all that it's like it's like the talents, right? Steward what he's given you right now, hmm. knowing that God doesn't waste a thing. He doesn't waste anything. So it may not make sense why you have to clean out the fridge today. Like that does not seem eternally minded or kingdom building, and it certainly doesn't feel like anything that you can grow an internet business with. But where <laughs> you apply yourself to do it unto the glory of God will absolutely, I promise, affect the next assignment he gives you. Are there any other artistic mediums or methods that you are currently kind of exploring and you're hoping to try your hand at in a more uh, intentional way in the future? Well, I'm kind of returning back to my original obsession with, um, with printmaking. It's just not something I quite have time or, or energy for right now, but you know, in college I spent a lot of time doing woodcuts or, um, huh. um, linoleum cuts and so linoleum is you know uh artificial material wood cuts would be on like cherry wood or whatever and um there's just beautiful beautiful printmakers um on social media that i've seen and i think it's just a beautiful medium that um kind of compresses it's more graphic and the work that i do isn't usually very graphic but i've gotten Mm, with the with the you know with the ipad and the apple pencil I've gotten to experience a little bit more of a graphic side of my design work. And in the book that I have coming out with Thomas Nelson, it's my first trade book. So as in like chapters, hardback, jacketed book, book with more of my story in it. Um, That's coming out in October and the art's going to be different there. Unlike my other books, it's not full color. It's not um, full watercolors. It's actually going to be more reflective of that printmaking or um, single color, um, line art. And so I'm excited to hmm. just, just trying some new things out. Yeah. Uh, is, have you made any of your, your kind of woodcut prints, uh, available for sale yet? Or is that something that's still not mm. yet kind of been released? No, I really think that, you know, um, I kind of live by this and you didn't ask, but one of my mottos in life is always like, I want to go deep, not wide. Um, mm. just because I can, doesn't mean I should is what I say all the time to myself to our team, to the family, who, you know, because I am a dreamer and I can constantly think of new businesses, new things I want to do. Let's start a retreat. <laughs> let's do this and that. Let's travel the world. I mean, I'm constantly thinking of ideas, but that's not stewardship necessarily. Sometimes, yes. But if I can't do what I'm already, what I've already been given well, um, I can't take the next step. So even Mm. in something as simple as, do I start a new medium? Do I offer new things? Yes, we could offer all sorts of new things, but something I've learned, um, for anyone who's listening, that's an entrepreneur as well. Um, we've not learned this the hard way because I think everything we've produced through Grace Lace has been successful and God's been really gracious to give us, um, we've never had like a, a bomb of a product or anything like Mm -hmm. that. 
but it's taught us that we're really content focused. So while we could create apparel, or while I could make placemats, and while we could, and we do have enamel keychains and beautiful pins, and those things matter. And I and I enjoy little things that we can take throughout our days and um, add to our lives. But the heartbeat of who I am and who we are as a team is content based. We we are primarily not about stuff and we're primarily about content. So that teaches us, it helps us, the constraint teaches us that just because I can make something really beautiful that somebody might want to buy doesn't mean I should. And just Mm, because I can expand and offer all sorts of things doesn't mean that that's God's best um, you, like what that's, that's not the best use of my giftings for what he's given me to do. So yeah, a long answer to maybe even that question, but. No, that's really good. Uh, maybe as a, a last question, uh, so what would you say, what advice would you offer to someone listening right now? Actually, I would consider myself in this category who thinks they might enjoy watercolor painting, would, would kind of mm-hmm. love to try their hand at that. Uh, what are maybe a couple practical steps for getting started? Yeah. So I would say find inspiration by watching some other artists paint but don't find so much inspiration that you are necessarily replicating somebody's artwork. Even a tutorial, even when you watch a tutorial, because it can it can limit your ability to discover how God's made you uniquely different. Maybe you find it completely satisfying to do abstract artwork, but you keep forcing yourself to paint a tulip exactly the way Ruth does, you know, <laughs> and that's not good for you. And And so that's not so much me saying, don't copy my style. That's me saying, God made you unique. You have a voice, even in the way you hold a brush, even in the way that you love the way water and pigment comes together, that nobody else will. There's no way. Like I, So watch my tutorials. I mean, I don't really have tutorials, but watch my videos, watch some other tutorials online and get the basics of what it is to use the medium and then play. I think as solid biblical Christians, sometimes we don't like that word. Play sounds like some kind of superfluous, silly word. We're usually quick to use words like study, discern, you know, um, uh, be disciplined. We use all those words, but we don't (laughs) talk about playing, but playing with and enjoying, like think about what it is. Does God put wildflowers up out in the mountains so that we might just study them? Or should we frolic through them and run through them and be like, oh my goodness, how is this valley covered with wildflowers? This is gorgeous. In the same way, do we just study the way we should use watercolor and then follow the exact paint by number lines and spots and do it exactly the way somebody else tells us? Or we play with it and say, wow, this is a creative medium and I'm going to explore what gives me joy. And maybe that means... Matt, that you just start with painting solid lines, one line after another. Maybe it means that you make little check marks. Maybe Mm. it means that you just play with the medium and see what happens when there's a little more water, a little less water. But as a practical tip, I would say um, start with one or two brushes. Don't go crazy. You can go to Hobby Lobby. You don't have to buy the most expensive brush, but buy a, you know, buy something a little bit better than your kindergartner's little kit, you know, Um, a round (laughs) brush and get a paint set that's medium grade, semi-professional maybe, or, um, and just for the watercolor nerds out there, semi-moist as a um, palette is really helpful. Don't, you don't need to start with the tubes of paint because that's a little harder to control. Start with a palette that's not so dry. It's called semi-moist. It just means that um, it's a little bit 
more intense of pigment. And that mm. really is a good way to start. If you start with your kid's Crayola little school palette, you're going to be yeah. frustrated because there's so no So it's pigment. very different. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. So real stuff is going to be yeah, a, a significantly different. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. Even the watercolor little discs that you find that are rounded, um, they're, they're fine for Bible journaling. Like with the ESV journaling Bible, I've seen a lot of people do it. I actually am not a Bible journaler as in painting in my Bible, but some people use that kind of paint. And it's just right for that kind of work because you can use it kind of dry. It's a little chalky. But if you're going to get into watercolor painting, then buy a medium grade paint and let it let it be something you can explore. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and just share a little bit about uh, not only your artistic process and what motivates you in that, but even uh, helping us just to see how uh, God has, has put us in our positions where we're at right now and how to see mm-hmm. God's grace in the midst of that. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. That was Ruth Jo Simons on her life as an artist. Don't miss her original Bible cover entitled Be Transformed in Crossway's Artist Series of ESV Journaling Bibles. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider leaving us a review? That really helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.